Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus, dear friends. The part of God's Word that we give our attention to this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 13. Since it is a record of our Savior's words, I invite you to please stand for our reading. Then Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem. Someone asked him, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? He said to them, Make every effort to enter through the narrow door, because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. Once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you will stand outside knocking and pleading, Sir, open the door for us. But he will answer, I don't know you or where you come from. Then you will say, We ate and drank with you, and you taught in our streets. But he will reply, I don't know you or where you come from. Away from me, all you evildoers. There will be weeping there and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves thrown out. People will come from east and west and north and south and will take their places at the feast in the kingdom of God. Indeed, there are those who are last who will be first and first, who will be last. This is the Gospel of our Lord. Please be seated. Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? I think we can understand why someone might ask a question like that. Maybe we wonder the same thing at times. Are there going to be a lot of people in heaven or only a few? You know, in the context of these verses, Jesus had just been giving a number of warnings to the people who had turned out to hear him teach. Warnings about materialism, warnings about hypocrisy, warnings about the need for repentance, the need to be always watchful and ready for his return. And so after all of this, it's maybe not too surprising that somebody would say, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? How do you think most people in our day and age would answer that question? You know, surveys show that most Americans believe that they're going to be in heaven when they die. And why? Well, they give various reasons, reasons that take into account what they think about themselves or what they think about God. I'm a good person. I try my best and do my best. I go to church regularly. I've never killed anybody or committed some horrible crime, so all should be well. Or they think God is supposed to be loving. How could he condemn anyone? God knows that we can't be perfect, so certainly he wouldn't hold us to a standard like this. And the list goes on. But you know, if we want to know the answer to this question that was asked, rather than listening to popular opinion, we should listen to Jesus himself. But maybe you notice that Jesus didn't exactly answer the question. Instead, he took this question about people in general 
and turned it into one that is intensely personal and vitally important for each individual to consider. The important thing is not how many people are going to be saved, but am I going to be saved? And so Jesus says, make every effort to enter through the narrow door, because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. Now, some of the things that Jesus says in his word are easier for us to accept than others. When he says, I am the good shepherd, or I am with you always, or take heart, your sins are forgiven, that fills us with peace and comfort. That's all good news, and we love to hear it. But when he says things like we just heard, many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able, that's a little more difficult to accept. This is one of these hard truths. Maybe if you're like me, when you heard Jesus say that, there's a little pit that formed in your stomach. Is he talking about me? Could he be talking about me? Why can't it be easier? You know, I think there's a part of us that wishes that Jesus would have answered this question a little differently. That he would have said something like, you know, don't worry about it. Everybody's going to be in heaven eventually anyways. It doesn't matter what you do or who you believe in. Just go about your life. Do whatever seems best for you. And just know that everything's going to work out fine in the end. But instead he says, make every effort to enter through the narrow door. Only with the guidance that Jesus gives us in his word can we understand and even rejoice in this hard truth. First of all, we know that Jesus is the door through which we must enter into God's kingdom. In John chapter 10, he says it like this, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. Jesus is that door to heaven, and he wants us to understand that he's the only door. In John chapter 14, he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The Apostle Peter says the same thing in Acts chapter 4. Salvation is found in no one else. So despite popular opinion or what many might want to believe, God is clear. There is no other way. There is no other way but through repentance and faith in Jesus. Jesus is the only door. And that door is narrow. He says, many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. Do you remember this story that was all over the news about 10 or 12 years back now? After the collapse of the main ramp going into the San Jose mine in Chile, 33 miners were trapped underground for 69 days. In the immediate aftermath of that tragedy, once they realized that there were still survivors down there, they drilled a small hole down to where the miners were so that they could send food and water and lines of communication. And then they began work on drilling a larger rescue shaft through which the miners would ultimately be brought 
the surface. surface. But you know, as they were going about that rescue work, they realized based on medical records that some of the miners down there might be a little too big to fit through that rescue shaft that they were drilling. And so in the days that followed, they were very careful about the diet and the calorie counts of those miners. They wanted to make sure that everyone was going to fit. Now, can you imagine some of those miners saying, you know what, I don't really care that much about fitting. I want to eat and drink whatever I want. Send down the donuts, send down the ribs, send down the beer. I'm not worried about fit. Now, I think the prospect of being rescued from that collapsed mine would be incentive enough to kind of keep everyone focused on the diet. Jesus says the door to salvation is narrow. Well, what are some things that might keep us from fitting through that door? Sometimes people get so blown up with their own supposed goodness and righteousness that they could never squeeze through that door. Their inflated egos would never allow it. They refuse to let God's law deflate them by pointing out how miserably we failed to do all that God demands and how desperately we need a Savior. If we come looking for entrance into that door, holding out our own worthiness as the reason why God should let us in, we're not going to fit. Sometimes people refuse to make a break with sinful lifestyle. Or they refuse to let go of the things of this world that have become so important to them. But by refusing to leave behind that sinful baggage that Jesus already took to the cross, by refusing to let go of the things of this world that are so near and dear to our hearts, we find that holding on to that stuff, we won't be able to enter through the door. It's too narrow. And so you see how foolish that way of thinking is. I mean, it'd be like one of those miners refusing to stay on the diet so that they could fit through the rescue shaft. The door into the kingdom has already been opened. It's been opened by the one who came from heaven for us. That alone, that already is a testament to God's grace and love for us. He didn't have to open a way. I mean, God had been very clear with Adam and Eve about what he expected of them, just as he's very clear with us about what he expects of us. As a holy and just God, he had every right to let that first man and woman and everyone who followed suffer the full weight of their sin. But he didn't do that. In his grace, in his undeserved love, he opened the way by sending his only son. Jesus stepped into our place. He carried our sin and took the punishment that we deserve. Also that a rescue path might be open to us. And now he urges us in love. He pleads with us not to forsake what he so freely offers. Yes, the door is narrow. We can't bring anything of our own. We won't fit. Only what Jesus gives us will do. He says, make every effort to enter through 
that narrow door. And when Jesus speaks about making every effort, he's talking about an active life of faith on the part of his people. A life that's characterized by sincere repentance, acknowledging our sin, turning away from them. It's a life that clings to God's promises of forgiveness in Jesus, seeing him as our only hope and our greatest treasure. It's a life that strives to live according to God's word. One that's not content with simply hearing the message, but wanting to put it into practice in our lives. By saying, make every effort, Jesus is saying, a casual relationship with him won't do. He continues in this section. He says, once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you will stand outside knocking and pleading, sir, open the door for us. But he will answer, I don't know you or where you come from. Then you will say, we ate and drank with you. You taught in our streets. But he will reply, I don't know you or where you come from. Away from me, all you evildoers. Sadly, there are some who think that because they have known Jesus in some way or listened to his teaching at some point in time, that they're in. But they never really took the message to heart. They never really put it into practice in their lives. And so they missed the door. You know, in chapter 9 of his letter to the Romans, the Apostle Paul expresses his personal sorrow that many of his own fellow Israelites made that very mistake. I mean, God had given the people of Israel every advantage possible, and then some. They were his chosen people, the ones to whom he made his promises and with whom he made his covenants. God had revealed his glory to them. He had given them his Ten Commandments. This was the nation through which the Savior of the world would come. Jesus truly did eat and drink with them. He taught in their streets. And yet so many of them refused to enter through the narrow door that God had promised and provided. They refused to put their trust in Jesus as their Savior. And so Jesus did not claim them as his own. They thought they knew him in some way, but Jesus says, I never knew you. That's what he means when he says there are those who are first or who think they should be first, but who in reality are last and will be left out. It's a strong warning. So many of us we're baptized at an early age, like Miles today. We were raised in God's Word by our parents. We were confirmed, received the Lord's Supper on a regular basis. Like the people of Israel, God has given us every advantage, and then some. And so Jesus pleads with us not to make the same mistake. To think that we are in simply because we were once baptized or we were brought up in the church or we do attend on a regular basis. That kind of thinking places a focus on us and what we do rather than on Jesus and what he's done for us. Remember the encouragement we heard from the letter to the Hebrews last week too. Fix our eyes on Jesus alone. 
and then to run that race marked out for us. Jesus calls on us to truly repent of our sin, to put our trust in him for salvation, to live our faith every day and to struggle against everything that would seek to destroy it. Jesus calls on us to make every effort to enter through that narrow door. But don't think that you have to go it alone. Remember the promises of our Savior that we heard earlier. The good news that we love to hear. I am the good shepherd, Jesus says. And so you can be sure that he will lead you and feed you. He will guide you and protect you. Jesus says, I am with you always. The life of faith in this world is going to have plenty of difficult chapters and dangerous paths, but Jesus says, I'm with you every step of the way. He says, take heart. Your sins are forgiven. When we fail, and we do, and we will, we rejoice in the fact that He never did. He made the perfect effort every day. He offered the perfect sacrifice to pay for our sins. It's His saving effort that opened the way into God's kingdom. And it's His saving love for us that now compels us to make every effort to enter through Him and through Him alone. So are only a few people going to be saved? Sadly, there are many who refuse the narrow door that God opened through Jesus. And yet there are many others who through that proclamation of the gospel find that door, find entrance. Jesus says people will come from east and west and north and south and will take their places at the feast in the kingdom of God. Indeed, there are those who are last who will be first. The door to the kingdom is open. God's invitation still stands. By God's grace, you know that Jesus is the only way in. And so you are among those who are streaming in. Find your place at the feast that God prepared for you. Whether it is many or few, thanks to Jesus, you know that that number includes you. Amen. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding guard and keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.